You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. As always, I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the final episode of the week. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming here at the Locked On Rams podcast. This is going to be your Friday episode, and you guys know how we like to do Fridays around here. This is going to be another mailbag episode at the Locked On Rams pod. And as always, I appreciate you guys for shooting over some questions to me. We're going to start with some of the more miscellaneous current roster questions. And as you guys can imagine, the last two segments are going to be a whole lot of draft-related, undrafted free agent type questions. And deservedly so, we all want to get to know these rookies a little bit better. So without further ado, we may as well just dive right into it. And the first one is from at Cameron and Cole. He said, now that players can be signed without affecting compensatory picks, do you expect the Rams to pursue anybody I don't expect them to, but I really hope they do. And the disconnect there is that I think the Rams feel really good about their offensive line, whereas, you know, myself and probably the majority of fans are concerned about that offensive line, losing Austin Blythe at center, and just in general, the development of the guards. I think you can still look to upgrade there. I really do think there are better offensive linemen out there in free agency, like Larry Warford, for example, Austin Ryder, some guys like that. Now, Again, it seems that they are comfortable with their offensive line. And if that is the case, I'm sure they're not going to sign anybody. But, you know, there are some other positions as well. Ed Rusher, Melvin Ingram was a guy I talked about many times on this podcast. Justin Houston, still some very good names out there. Ryan Kerrigan. I think the Rams, as close as they are in this Super Bowl window, they should be willing to, you know, look at upgrades in any way possible right now. I don't expect them to, but I really hope that they do at least consider it a possibility here now that the additions won't affect the compensatory pick formula. The next question is from at Thornado 14 said, which would be the better scenario in quotation marks Cooper cup and Robert Woods injured mid season and have to use the rookies at wide receiver or Whitworth and Blythe injured. And we use rookies. Well, Blythe is not on the roster anymore. So maybe he was referencing somebody else there, but definitely the wide receivers going down. Although both situations sound horrible, at least the Rams are well equipped to handle losses at receiver at this point in time they have van jefferson who i think is worthy of starting this season deshaun jackson could very well be a starter and probably not going to play 60 70 snaps a game but you know if he's healthy i don't see why he can't be a legitimate wide receiver for the team then you look at tutu atwell the addition of him some of the other guys so clearly wide receiver the deepest part of the team i would say the wide receiver position would be able to afford some of the losses but Man, if you lose two leaders and two players like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods who do everything for your offense and block and all that stuff, man, that would be hard to replace either way. The next one is from at Jersey Ram. And this is a good question. He said, how seriously should we take camp hype? I was excited to hear all about Van Jefferson last season and then he didn't really play at all. And that's part of the issue here is like teams control the narrative of the camp, right? So whatever they are putting out 
in terms of the information coming out of the camp is what fans are going to expect. Last season, I don't believe camps were open to fans. I assume they obviously weren't with the whole COVID stuff. Probably going to be the same this season, maybe different, but not likely that fans are going to be able to watch training camp. And if we can't, then all that's really being done is the team is going to relay that information from camp onto fandom. And so, you know, they control the narrative. They control the agenda that comes out of there. And I'm not saying they're lying, but at the same time, you know, camp is a different story than playing, you know, on Sundays. And Van Jefferson, as good as he was, you know, they did have three really good receivers on the roster still. So it's tough. You know, it's something that we always have to kind of lower our expectations for. I know everyone's excited to see the rookies, the undrafted guys, because we've never seen them as well as all the free agent additions and guys that were traded for like Matthew Stafford. You know, those are the guys that are always the most excited to watch because we've never seen them. But at the same time, maybe if we just temper our expectations and expect that we're going to see a lot of rookie hype like you mentioned a lot of training camp hype that usually goes unwarranted we should probably expect that at this point in time hopefully we can all just temper our expectations i think we all have a pretty good idea of who should start for this team come week one on september whatever the day is when they start the season and with that being the case maybe we just need to understand that you know sometimes guys perform well in training camp Sometimes rookies come in and are a little bit further ahead on the curve of development than we expected. And typically, those are the guys that are propped up as, you know, breakout stars and so forth. And so maybe we can go into this one a little bit more tempered in terms of our expectations and not get suckered like it feels like we do every single offseason. The final question for this segment is from at Alex J. MacArthur. He said, are you surprised that the Rams have initially suggested Bobby Evans to right guard and Corbett to center rather than Joe Noteboom to left guard and Corbett to center and David Edwards at right guard? Again, based on experience and continued game time development, if Noteboom is our future LT left tackle. And I think you kind of answered it there. I'm not necessarily surprised. Now, the Rams tried that Noteboom to guard experiment last season. I think I want to say he lasted three games at left guard before he got hurt in that Eagles game with the calf and then got knocked out for like eight or nine games and David Edwards comes in and plays significantly better in my opinion at left guard and I think that kind of opened their eyes to thinking all right you know maybe he's not a guard maybe he doesn't have the versatility to kick inside he was drafted as a tackle he's clearly significantly better as a tackle and when Whitworth got hurt later in the season last year Nopum did start at left tackle and looked a lot more comfortable a lot better than he did at left guard and so I think at that point, they kind of realized that, you know, this guy is not a guard, but he is suitable at tackle. And obviously you're referencing Jordan Rodrigue kind of having that source play where, you know, someone gave her the information that the Rams are going to try Bobby Evans at right guard and moving Austin Corbett to center as opposed to Nopum coming into the starting five. And I think that probably makes more sense because Evans, I think, might be a better guard the Nopum is, but at the same time, I don't think either of them is a quality starter. I don't think either of them should be starting, to be quite honest with you. I'm fine with the Corbett to center move. It's the guard play, the Evans or that fifth lineman that's going to severely worry me going into the season, but the Rams seem to be comfortable with it. They did spend a third round pick, I want to say, on Bobby Evans, so clearly a guy that they think they have developed to the point where he can be a starter now. I'm still very concerned about what he's going to put on tape and on field, because he did start maybe one or two games this past season. I want to say a playoff game in Seattle when David Edwards was hurt and maybe that Green Bay game as well. I can't recall. And it was okay, but there were definitely some legitimate lapses in there as well. And I think he's going to have those growing pains as a starter if he does start going into next season. 
Coming up after the break, we're going to continue our questions here on the Mailbag Friday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to dive into the rookie class and the undrafted free agent class. And while we've got you, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP, and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go. As the NFL Draft just passed and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. Hey Rams fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the second segment of this mailbag episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to dive right back into where we left off at the break and I want to touch on some of the questions now that are related to this rookie class. As you guys can imagine, there are a handful, and that's what we're going to dedicate the next two segments to. So appreciate you guys for shooting them over. And the first one is from at Alex J. MacArthur. He said, 2-2 Atwell, four punt returns in college. In your opinion, do you expect him to be our day one punt returner? And if not, then who? Good question. And like you said, only four punt returns in his collegiate career did not return any kicks. So while I think he has the skills to do it, I don't know that he has the frame to necessarily hold up. I mean, the guy is 155 pounds. He's pretty small. I think the Rams are going to try to conserve his body type as much as possible, kind of like Deshaun Jackson, and maybe not throw them into the fire and force them to take you know all these unnecessary hits, especially on special teams where guys are flying full speed. So I think he has the skills to do it. I think they would be wise, though, to try and limit some of those big, high-impact touches. Now, who does that leave as the potential starter? You know, I think Xavier Jones might be a name to look at. Raymond Calais, again, in the running back room, both guys. You look at Simba Webster, could be a possibility there. And someone to look out for, undrafted free agent wide receiver Jeremiah Hadel, who was one of the best return men in college last season. He's in camp with the Rams right now. Obviously, it's going to be a long shot for him to make the roster, but if he does, he could certainly be the return man on special teams. The next one is from at Drew Farm Kid. He said, Rams have gotten solid contributions out of UDFAs, meaning undrafted free agents, in the past, such as Malcolm Brown, Morgan Fox, Corey Littleton. What Rams UDFA do you like the most or think has the best chance of earning a roster spot? That's a really, really good question and obviously a good observation as well. Like you mentioned, the Rams have had a lot of success with undrafted guys, and I think that could continue here. Now, some of the names that caught my eye, Iowa offensive tackle slash guard, Alaric Jackson. He played at Iowa for many years, has a ton of starting experience at Iowa, which is one of the best offensive line schools in the country. 
And if he can last there and start three, four, five years worth of time there, I definitely think he could make it as a backup offensive lineman in the NFL. I mentioned Jeremiah Hadle, the Texas State wide receiver kick returner. He's definitely an option. If he shows out enough on special teams, I think he certainly could be carried on the roster as a return man. You look at the two safeties that are intriguing to me, Pittsburgh's Paris Ford, as well as BYU's Troy Warner. I think both guys could have an opportunity to crack the back end of the roster as special team guys for now. And the last name is UAB cornerback Bronte Harris, who the Rams just signed recently. I'm intrigued to see what he's going to bring to the table. I know he has some game. I've just started diving into his tape just recently, so I haven't gotten too deep into it. But he definitely flashes some ability there. And if you recall, another UAB former undrafted cornerback currently on the Rams, Darius Williams, that one worked out as well. So definitely a nice pipeline to follow there. The next one is from at Brian 84 He said, I heard that Ernest Jones numbers were similar to Jordan Fuller's numbers, GPS ability. You think with how well Jordan Fuller was last year, did that help draft Ernest Jones where they did? Yeah, I think it probably did prop it up a little bit. Like you mentioned, the GPS thing, you know, obviously the Rams use a little bit different technology when it comes to looking at play speed and closing speed and GPS tracking type of stuff, as opposed to a lot of teams that, you know, still use the combine type of drills and that thing. So I think that probably did help them in terms of, you know, noticing that Ernest Jones was probably around the ball a lot and probably had a little bit faster play speed than he did testing speed because his testing numbers were not great. So I think, like you said, probably did prop him up a little bit. And at the end of the day, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I didn't view him as a third round talent and I still don't after getting to watch about five games of his tape. But at the same time, the Rams, you know, liked him enough to take him that high. They did draft Jordan Fuller in the sixth round, like you said, and he immediately walked into the team and made an impact as a day three rookie. So that's pretty impressive. Clearly, they know what they want in these guys. They know how to scout these guys. And so I guess for now, you know, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. So I'm curious to see if they made the right choice with Ernest Jones in the third round. But at the same time, still a little bit overdrafted, in my opinion. The next one is from at King KJ1962. Do you think the Rams will sign any free agent offensive lineman before training camp? And this is similar to that question I answered in the first segment. Man, I really hope they do. Like I mentioned, Larry Warford, I think is an amazing potential addition, especially if the Rams are going to kick Austin Corbett to center. You know, that might be his best spot. And if that is his best spot, then that does open a guard spot for you anyways. And why not go add a guy who's been to multiple Pro Bowls, who has experience playing with Matthew Stafford, has played very good football for the New Orleans Saints. Man, I think Warford would be a huge addition. I think he would make me feel much more comfortable and just you know, in terms of actually raising the talent level of that unit, I think it would be a massive step going from someone like Bobby Evans or Joe Nopum or whoever to a guy like Larry Warford. Man, that's a big, big gap in terms of the skill and the talent, in my opinion. And I think with that being the case, you absolutely should go look at an offensive lineman, man. Matthew Stafford has been hurt a lot over the course of his career. You want to keep this guy upright for 17 games, give him the best chance to succeed in this system. And if that is the case, why not try to use whatever leftover resources you have to give him the best offensive line possible? That is all we have for this segment. We're going to dive into our final questions in the last segment. Some very good ones talking about Tutu Atwell, comparing him to Tavon Austin, as well as what I think of the draft class in general. And while we've got you, make sure to come back to us next week when we continue our in-depth scouting reports on all the last few names 
of the Rams draft class, as well as some of the undrafted free agents. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. I've been looking for the best protein bar on the market over that course of time, and I finally found the Built Bar, which I'm telling you guys is by far the best. The taste is absolutely fantastic, and the texture is unlike any protein bar I've ever tried in my life. And not only that, but they're also super healthy. They're delicious. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're low in calories. They're low in sugar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you if you are on a keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Friday mailbag episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. We have a few more questions that we got to end off on, and so we may as well just dive right back into them. The next one is from my guy at jvast23. He said, who do you think has the most immediate impact on defense from this draft class? And well, it really depends, right? If we're looking at it from a immediate, like you said, who is going to really stand out from day one and give the Rams, you know, 70, 80% of snaps on the defensive side of the ball. I think you have to go with Ernest Jones. He has the easiest path to a starting position. I don't know that Bobby Brown, the third is going to start at D tackle. Probably not. The Rams are really loaded at that spot. Robert Rochelle, cornerback in the fourth round, has a chance to start, but I think he's probably best suited on the boundary. And with that being said, probably going to start on the bench for the Rams. And there's really no other legitimate, you know, early round talent here that the Rams had on the defensive side. Ernest Brown, the fourth, was a fifth round pick, so probably not expected to play a ton. That leaves us with Ernest Jones. While I don't think he's the best player necessarily or the best talent, I do think that, you know, this is a guy that is likely going to start for the Rams, likely going to start, you know, 17 games for them if he can't stay healthy this next season. And if that is the case, probably going to run up the numbers a little bit. You know, those 100 tackles that everyone likes to look at, a couple of forced fumbles, all that good stuff. And so ultimately, I'm going to go with Ernest Jones. Wouldn't be surprised if he does beat out other guys like Micah Kaiser and some other names, for example, for a starting job from day one. The next one is from my guy at Will Carella. He said, at first glance, Tutu is reminding a lot of Rams fans of Tavon Austin. What do you think are the differences between Tutu and Tavon's skill set and in how McVay will utilize Tutu versus how he used Tavon in 2017? And can we expect Tutu to play more like Brandon Cooks than Tavon? Man, that is honestly the million-dollar question, arguably my favorite of this day. And that's what I'm trying to find out too because when I look at Louisville and I look at Tutu Atwell's tape, I watched about six or seven, maybe eight games at this point. I'm trying to get to know everything about this dude. I watched a bunch of games from 2019. I watched a bunch of games from 2020 when his stats went a little bit down. And I have a good idea of what he is at this point in time. The guy is a legitimate receiver, but Louisville did not use him like that. Obviously, he did have some deep throws and some deep pass attempts and all that stuff as well. Some corner routes, some vertical routes, some posts, which is great. Some deep overs, but a lot of jet motion and you know that gadget style stuff. And you should use him in that role as well because he's super explosive. He's going to be dangerous with the ball in his hands, fast as hell, and he can create that free and easy production. Now, talking about what he brings to the table as a generic wide receiver, 
the dude is good. Like he can get off the line of scrimmage, probably not against some big, strong press corners, but he can eat up cushions. He knows how to run routes and he has that speed. That's just going to be so hard for any cornerback to keep up with him. Now, that's what I think is the difference between he and Tavon, like you mentioned. Not exactly like Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks is just your legitimate regular wide receiver, kind of like a Tyreek Hill. Those guys are small in stature, but they're thick. They're filled out like they're strong. They're not light in terms of their weight, and they can go fight for contested catches. I don't know that Tutu can necessarily do that. He's way, way more frail than those guys, way skinnier. And I do think that Tavon was a lot more shifty in terms of the agility, like in a phone booth, like they say, you know, make guys miss. I don't think Tutu has that kind of make you miss ability, but I do think that Tutu might have a little bit more top end speed. So, and a little bit more in-game playing speed, if that makes any sense. I think he might move a little bit faster on the field than a guy like Tavon did, but I do think Tavon had more of that like joystick where, you know, get this guy the ball in his hands and he's going to make whoever is near him look like an absolute moron because he's just so, so fast in and out of his breaks. Now, Tutu, I don't think he's going to be like Brandon Cooks. I don't think he's going to be like Tyreek Hill. I don't know if there's really any player in the NFL that I can compare him to. Probably a little bit of like Deshaun Jackson and a little bit of any gadget style of receiver. I can't really think of anyone at the top of my head who's doing it like he did. But, you know, even looking at the numbers with the PFF stuff, I took out all jet motion snaps. And over the past two seasons, if you take out all of those snaps and all of those targets, Tutu Atwell's average depth of target was only 14.4 yards. And that was barely inside the top 100. I think that was like 97th among all wide receivers. So as you can imagine, Louisville probably did not utilize this guy correctly. I think he could be so much more of a traditional wide receiver than they suggested. I mean, he was winning with the ball downfield. He's good at tracking the football. He can gain separation on cornerbacks. Obviously, he can run routes. And like I said, he has that speed that a lot of guys just can't dream of having. So had Louisville used him as a more traditional style of wide receiver, I think he would have been even better. And his numbers would have been even better, obviously. And maybe would have been drafted even higher. I don't know. You know, the weight is always going to be an issue. But I definitely think a lot of fans are just kind of not realizing how good of an actual legitimate receiver he can be, even with the weight and even with the jet motion stuff. The next question is from at BK Bebon. He said, if you have a good grip on this class, please explain it to me. I'm so disappointed by how awful it is. It has tempered my expectations on the season. They had holes to fill and didn't accomplish anything except load up on special teams, which is a joke. They regressed in my mind. You know, I think fans are being a little bit too harsh on the draft class because when you look at the draft class, Obviously, the Rams had no first-round pick, and you kind of have to factor in the fact that Jalen Ramsey is part of the reason why. Not only that, but they got a significant upgrade at quarterback this offseason, which doesn't have anything to do with this draft class, but at the same time, they got better at the most important position on the field. Now, looking at the draft class in specific, you know, you shouldn't grade draft classes based on how many holes they fill for the immediate, because you sign these rookies to four-year contracts, and you sign first round rookies to five-year contracts. This is a three, four, five-year outlook. You need to look at these things down the line. How can these guys contribute right now? Can any of them do that? If not, can they contribute in year two, year three, year four? What are they going to be when that rookie contract is up? Are these the kind of guys that are going to garner second contracts with us? Are they not? I always go back to this example. 2019, I want to say it was. The Rams moved back in that draft a couple of times. Then they take Taylor Rapp at the end of the second round, right? And Taylor Rapp, solid player, had a good rookie season, 
had a injury prone last season where he couldn't really play, didn't really do much. And at the time, the Rams didn't really need a receiver in the worst way. They had a couple and they took Taylor Rapp. And at the time, DK Metcalf, the far superior talent that everyone knew should have been a first round pick, goes after Taylor Rapp. And now since then, the Rams did not need a receiver, but since then they trade Brandon Cooks for you know pennies on the dollar on the second round pick. Then they spend a 57th overall pick on Van Jefferson. They spend a 57th overall pick this past year on Tutu Atwell, and they paid Deshaun Jackson $5 million. They made three investments at wide receiver because they made the wrong decision to pass up on DK Metcalf for Taylor Rapp a couple of years ago because they quote unquote did not need a wide receiver at the time. You do not draft for your immediate because that is how you come away with less than valuable players, with players that are not as good, not the true best talents at that spot in your draft class. And so I kind of like what the Rams did in terms of, you know, go into this draft, go find guys that you don't really care what position, just find the best players. And then on day three, find your guys that are highly athletic, that you can try to mold guys that you can really hit a different peak with in terms of their talent because they have so much athleticism go find role players go find special teamers you know ultimately picking 57th not having a first round pick i think they came away with a fine draft i would have went with a different direction obviously because i valued certain guys more but at the same time i like what they did i think this draft class is going to be useful for the rams and i think looking back in a year two three we're probably going to laugh at how silly everyone was to be so harsh on this draft class The next question is from at J underscore O underscore Na, my guy Jonah. He said, I'm going to need to know which guys you think are getting the most playing time the soonest. And it kind of was answered earlier. I think Ernest Jones is the only guy in the draft class that could be a day one starter. In terms of role players, I think Tutu Atwell, Bobby Brown, the third, Robert Rochelle and Ernest Brown, the fourth. The edge rusher could all be role players. The only question mark there is probably Robert Rochelle. And then if we're talking about guys you want to stash either just playing special teams or completely stash either on your practice squad or at the back end of your 53-man roster, guys that are going to be inactive on game day. I'm looking at the Jacob Harris's, the Jake Funks, the Ben Skoranek's, Chris Garrett's. So probably not a ton of impact players from day one, probably not really many starters, maybe only one in Ernest Jones. But again, I think there are some legitimate role players in this class. And the last question is from my guy JB at JB underscore peoples. He said, so we saw Marcus Peters earlier this week be super blunt about how his situation with the Rams played out. Which player or coach would you want to be brutally honest? And what would you want them to talk about? They wouldn't get in trouble and could freely speak. And that is a tough, tough one to answer. Now, you know, I feel like I could go a million different ways, but a lot of guys in the league are outspoken. You got guys like Jalen Ramsey who aren't really going to mince their words, but I'm going to make it simple. I want to hear Sean McVay. You know, like this guy is so media trained. He's so proper in terms of the things that he says, how he says them, how he conveys them, the information that he lets out. It's so like, you know, just boring at this point. We know that he's going to always say the right things. It's purely media trained. It's never really what's happening. And behind closed doors, like you said, with the Marcus Peters situation, clearly a lot more going on there than we're ever led to believe. So I think it would be fun in terms of, you know, just being able to hear him legitimately say things that, you know, we want to hear, but that we'll never hear. So it's a little bit disappointing, but there are probably some good options in terms of this route here. I'm going to go with Sean McVay. I would just love to hear more about the inner workings of the Rams building, as well as how they operate on a day-to-day basis. That is the final question, and that was the end of the episode. 
Thank you guys, as always, for shooting over some good questions for me for this mailbag episode. And as always, make sure to check back in with us next week. We're going to continue our in-depth scouting series with the rest of this draft class, as well as the undrafted free agents that caught my eye. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QBsMEP, and you can find the page at LockedOnRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.